You're listening to The Beauty Debut. I'm your host, Claudia Fabian. As someone who has spent over 25 years in the beauty industry as an esthetician, makeup artist, and in professional sales, I want to share what I've learned. Allow me to be your beauty avatar and give you a behind-the-scenes look at what it's really like to work in the world of beauty. And follow me as I navigate how to age gracefully. And remember, it's never too late to make your debut. This podcast is about all things beauty inside and out. Tune in every week to hear my conversations with the amazing professionals who are working in all aspects of the beauty industry. Get the scoop on the latest trends and learn firsthand insider tips and tricks to help you look and feel your very best. I'm so happy to have you here. The Beauty Debut starts now. Nika, I am so excited to have you on this special edition of the Beauty Debut podcast where we're sharing authentic beauty advice. And for me, what you have to offer is truly exciting. And I can't wait to hear all about your special skills. So welcome (laughs) to the Beauty Debut podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited. Yeah. So as we get into the meat of what we're going to be talking about today, I I first want to start off by just finding out how you got your start in the beauty industry. Sure. So basically my route to beauty is a little untraditional. Um, Beauty was always something I did feel drawn to growing up. I grew up and had really crazy bushy eyebrows and I was teased for them. So that's pretty much during middle school is when I started playing around with my brows and makeup to just kind of build my self-confidence. I definitely did go a little too crazy with the tweezers growing up, but thank goodness my genetics actually let them all grow back and, you know, just, uh, being a little socially uh, withdrawn during the grow out phase. Um, but <laughs> I did always love beauty for some reason. And for some reason, I didn't think that I could make a career out of it. So I felt the pressure from my peers and I actually decided to go to college um, after high school. And then, you know, I graduated from college. I did the whole thing. Um, I went to uh, immediately, I worked in the nine to five office job and girl, it was like about just only a year in and I just knew it was not for me. Um, and I left and, you know, I just did so much soul searching and I just remember circling back to all those times where I would do my friends and family's brow shaping and their makeup, like before dances in middle school and high school and just had a long talk with my mom. And it was then when I decided to take the plunge and enroll in esthetician school. And um, funny enough, it was actually the same esthetician school my mom went to 30 years ago. Wow. Um, So your mom was an esthetician. She a cosmetologist actually. Oh, so, okay. and uh, the most interesting part is we had the same teacher. So the teacher was there thirty years later. Oh my gosh! How yeah. amazing is that? Did now yeah, did your teacher remember your mother? <laughs> yes. So I, my mom, we actually were looking at old pictures, like when I was still in school and we found a picture of my mom with the teacher and I brought it to her and she was like, Oh my gosh, of course I remember your mom. And, um, it was just, it's just so crazy how life happens that way, you know? Yeah. And I think it's really interesting because I think you touched on something, you know, I think when we want to get into beauty, lots of times, you know, it's kind of like not frowned upon, but people you know, maybe don't take it as seriously as a way Mm -hmm. to really have longevity and and make a great living. Um, I had a kind of a similar thing. I mean, I went to college for a year or two, but I hated it. 
Right. I ended up getting a job in sales and making, you know, at a young age, pretty good money, but I was miserable. And I, you know, I hated the nine to five grind at that time. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine how you must've felt. What were you doing for your first job out of school? Like what career were you going to take? Yeah. So I, um, I graduated with a degree in public health and my long-term goal was to actually become a registered dietitian. Ah. So Mm-hmm. So I, I love nutrition. I love health and wellness, um, which kind of makes sense why I'm also in the beauty realm. Cause you know, it's kind of all intermingled all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I worked for a non, a government, um, funded, uh, nonprofit. It's called WIC, um, for stands for women, infants, and children. And I basically gave nutrition counseling to low income, you know, mothers mm-hmm. and it, it was really rewarding and you know, I, I'm so grateful for the experience that I had, but at the end of the day, I just, to be honest with you, I'd be coming home like crying and to my husband. And I just, I wasn't feeling that fulfillment that I thought that I would feel. So yeah, it was tough. Yeah. But you're still, I guess in a way still like giving and servicing, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we do as estheticians. We were very nurturing and I'm sure your customers or your clients, whatever you want to call them, probably benefit because if they're struggling with (laughs) any dietitian or weight issues, there you go. You can help them with that too. And it's funny because, you know, when they are laying on the bed for, if if I'm doing microblading for about an hour and a half, like, of course, the conversation comes up. And if they do bring up nutrition, I like, I get all excited and giddy. I'm like, Ooh, let's talk about this more. (laughs) See, you can like, you're like doing two services at once. Exactly. I'm like part-time nutrition therapist, part-time like therapist, therapist, (laughs) and then brow artist. Yeah. So let's, let's jump into what you're doing. So, um, first of all, I have to say, I love, love, love your Instagram, but then also, you know, the, um, the boutique salon that you work for is the name is so amazing. I just, whoever, you know, <laughs> thought of that name is so perfect for a brow place. It's called yes. Very Little Things, <laughs> which is so catchy. I, I just love that name. I think it's amazing. How did you end up at Harry Little Things? It's so cute. Um, so basically, about once I graduated from aesthetic school, I actually got a call from my girlfriend, Alex Caparelli, who owns Harry Little Things. And um, the funniest thing out of all of it is her husband grew up with my husband. So that's how we know each other. And she called me and she's just like, Hey, I know you're, you graduated. Um, I want to actually offer you an apprenticeship to work under me and learn all the tools of microblading. Cause she's a busy celebrity makeup artist. Um, you know, she wanted to just kind of, um, you know, have more people at the salon. And, um, yeah, she basically taught me all the tools of the trade and she offered Mm -hmm. me a position to work at Harry Little Things. And I've just been in the PMU permanent makeup industry ever since. And, you know, as the months went by, I, I soon became the manager of the salon and just focusing more on the operational aspect of the business. So I am really grateful for Alex, you know, for believing in and trusting in me. Yeah. Well, what a great blessing that you had early on in your career to kind of find Mm -hmm. your niche and really just, you know, excel and be successful at it. And yeah, I mean, that's just a great little studio and it's located in downtown LA. You have two locations, I thought. Yes. So we had, there's two locations. There's one in the cute arts district in downtown LA. And, um, more recently in September, 2019, Alex opened one in Newport beach. So, um, yeah, it's, 
it's precious. If you guys love pink, you will love the studio. And, um, you know, the space is just filled with good vibes and passion and all the artists are obsessed with creating and making sure that our clients feel their absolute best. And, um, <laughs> our motto actually at Harry Little Things is where nineties brows go to die, which I, I was going to mention that I <laughs> love that tagline. That is brilliant. I love it. Where nineties brows go to die. Oh my God. I love it. So I know, you know, people might be familiar with microblading. It's been a trend now for, I think, I want to say three or four years. It's kind of been mm -hmm. on trend. Um, people are getting their eye, or eyebrows microbladed. But I feel that even within that realm, there's been some shifts in how people are doing it. And there's much more advanced, more should I say natural modern techniques that are being utilized now? Can you speak to that? Of course. So, um, you know, when people see microblading, they think that you, and microblading is great for people with little to no brow hairs. Um, but sometimes with that being said, um, what we do here or specifically what I love to do is including all the natural hairs in the outline as possible. Sometimes with older microblading, artists kind of altered the appearance of the eyebrows rather than enhancing their natural beauty, if that makes sense. So instead of including the hairs in the outline, they would kind of make the eyebrows just where they thought that it should be placed, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. So when yes. it fades over time, it's not going to look as natural because you have an eyebrow hair hanging somewhere else than where the outline of the strokes are. So that's pretty much, I feel like what's, what's changing now it's really just enhancing a client's beauty rather than altering it that's like the most important thing i could say because as microblading fades we just don't want to have two tails or obvious signs of demarcation but recently i've even noticed that clients are embracing the more natural like fluffy brow look mm -hmm. rather than that perfect like mechanical brow um so at hairy little things we do offer a service called micro feathering and feathering is ideal for those with already naturally like pretty full brows but they just want the extra oomph to fill in those random sparse areas and just to ditch the brow pencil and generally it's perfect for the minimalist um and, you know, we, besides offering feathering, we of course have the microblading for people who might need more, more work, more filling in. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because when it first came out, you know, obviously I thought, wow, what a great alternative people who over tweezed and their brows mm -hmm. never came back. Um, and I think there was a trend for a while with makeup and Instagram where it was like really, like really shaped brows where they almost looked like square and just, I don't know, it just was so yeah. harsh. And mm -hmm. for me, I mean, I love all trends that come and go, but I just couldn't get on board with that. So I kind of stayed away from microblading because of yeah. that. But, you know, discovering um, your Instagram and, and, you know, of course there's a lot of other amazing artists out there as well. Just doing more research. I really like this feathering. I think that is ideal if you do, you know, have eyebrow hairs to work with. Exactly. And basically like when you come down to the nitty gritty, when you're microblading, the strokes are really close together because of course we're trying to add like density and make it look like a fuller brow. But with the feathering, the strokes are placed much further apart and there's about 12 to 15 strokes per brow and there's no type of brow outline because your brow when you come in is basically the outline for us and we just fill in what you already have so it's been really really popular and i'm noticing more 
now than ever since I've been working here that people are demanding for the feathering as opposed to the, to the microblading because trends change too, you know, like about 10, 20 years ago, the, the tattoo brow was like much popular before the, well, before microblading even came to the picture, but you kind of want your brows to kind of go with the times and the changes. So I think feathering can definitely do that too. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's amazing. And, um, with, with feathering, is it pretty much the same longevity as with traditional microblading? So people can expect it to last a few years with maybe a couple touch-ups or how, is it, or is it different? That's a, that's a really good question. So basically with, when you book with us for microblading or most artists for that matter, it includes two sessions with the cost. You come in, you do the microblading for your first session, and then you come back four to eight weeks later to do your touch-up. And that's what we call the perfecting session because of course some strokes aren't going to take as easily on the skin and we just, you know, perfect it and add the baby strokes. Once you do your touch-up, you're good for up to a year, even up to two years. Um, really just depends again on how well you take care of it and if your skin's oily and so forth. With feathering, it's actually one session, but clients do have the option to pay for a touch-up for a small fee, and that way it lasts up to a year. But it's totally not you know, required It's or mandatory. It's personal preference. And if you don't opt for the touch-up, it can last up to six to eight months. Wow. I can't wait to get in there and see you. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So the other thing I want to touch on, which is a huge trend, which I'm kind of really loving is this brow lamination. I want you to explain what that is and then we'll kind of go from there. I am obsessed. That is It's huge. It's huge here in LA. Um, But basically what it is, it's a perm for your brows and it gives you that brow lift look. And unlike lip lighting, lamination does not involve adding individual hair-like strokes of the blade. Um, Instead, it's just uh, the solution is applied to the most stubborn brown hairs and it helps realign the direction of the hair growth and the overall shape of the brow. So it'll create the look of added volume and fullness by repositioning the brow hairs to fill the sparse areas. And this is honestly the ultimate solution for eyebrows that do not have symmetry and where all the different brow hairs follow, you know, a crazy, they all, they basically the hairs that go every which way and you just kind of want them to stay in one place. Okay. And is everybody a candidate for this or are there some people who maybe should not consider brow lamination? Most everybody is, but as long as you have somewhat of brow hair, like of course, if you have super thin brows, you're, it's probably not going to be the best bet because we're not going to really have anything to perm up, you know, and it's going to look kind of wonky. So I would say it's for people who have like moderately full to full brows. And how long does that last? And secondly, is there any damage to your brow hairs from this? Are you seeing any like, you know, I mean, everything you do obviously might cause a little bit of damage, right? But um, can you speak to that? Yeah, of course. So brow lamination can last up to six weeks. The basic aftercare is like, don't get them wet for 24 hours because if you do, then it's pretty much going to go down the drain for the longevity. Um, and make, keeping it, keeping it lasting that long, um, you know, I recommend them to just, when they wash their face, not scrubbing their brows. Cause of course the keratin is going to slowly like break off and, and not hold the hair up as long. But I will say there should be not little to no damage 
to the brow hair if done properly by a licensed professional. Because I will say that when quarantine, the lockdown lifted and when clients were able to come in during the three and a half weeks we were open, girl, I had clients who did DIY lamination at home and they had breakage. That's yeah. good to know because I have been seeing, you know, just I'm such a a beauty consumer that I I, <laughs> I look at everything. I, I've seen that they do have these home lamination kits and I question that. Like, ooh, I don't know if I would want to do that myself or I'd want to leave that to somebody who really knows what they're doing. I'm glad that you said that. Yeah, because you know, there's multiple factors. It's like basically two things, the products used and the processing time. Those are so important and they should truly be left in the hands of your brow artist because you know, people, con regular consumers might think that leaving it on for longer can lead to longer results, longer lasting results. No, that it's just going to break the hairs off. And we use um, really high end products and we, it's a three-step system. And the third step, is a moisturizing serum, which basically helps nourish and hydrate the hairs that we just broke and bonded back together. And that, and I always do that for my clients at the end of the appointment. Um, Cause really that's just the way to give the health back to the hair after we just processed it, which doesn't come in many of the home DIY kits. Now, if you want to do this modern microblading feathering technique, mm -hmm. and you want to do this brow lamination, so you could have high yes. maintenance, gorgeous brows, how do you space those appointments out? What do you recommend? That is the dynamic duo. So thank you for bringing that up. And it's, it's gorgeous. So basically it works like this. You're going to come in, we're going to do the feathering first. Once the feathering is fully healed and depending on if they want to touch up or no touch up, let's just for this example, say they're not going to get a touch up. They can come back to me as soon as four weeks and then we can do the lamination. Okay. And this is really why I originally had you as a guest is because I fell in love with your lip blush techniques. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I was just like stalking your Instagram, looking at all of your before and afters of this is another hot trend right now is lip blush. So I kind of feel, and tell me if, if I'm on the right track here, if you had your brows feathered, laminated, and then you did lip blush, I mean, you could wake up looking like a supermodel every day. It and and girl, I have so many back to back appointments, which truly is I feel like the smartest thing because might as well get the downtime done with both of them. Mm -hmm. And I've had clients texting me during quarantine saying, I literally wake up and I don't have to do anything. And it, it's the best thing I've heard, you know, in a long time, yeah. just being able to it just the inconvenience of having to fill in your brows, reapplying lipstick or, you know, lip tint. All they need to do is apply some clear brow gel, clear lip gloss, and they're good to go. Now with lip blush, it's very different from traditional uh, permanent makeup, right? Because the permanent yes. makeup of years past, I, again, it's something I never have been drawn to because it always looks so harsh or it faded out really weird. But mm -hmm. lip blush... Can you explain what it is? What is lip blush? Yeah, of course. So obviously it's the newest semi-permanent makeup trend and enhances the beauty of your lip color as well as providing definition and symmetry. So this provides the illusion of fullness and um, it helps define the lip contours and just adds a natural flush to your lip color. Of course, like if, you know, 
people listening see the before and afters on my profile, the afters, the lips are swollen and the color isn't true to what it will fade. Lips will be swollen for about 24 hours and then the color will fade to about 40 to 60%. So of course it looks really vibrant at first, but once um, five days to seven days pass, which is the healing timeline, it literally just looks like a flush to your lip. And mm -hmm. going back to the old type of permanent makeup, girl, I walked in with my mom when I was a young kid because she would get the lip liner tattoo, which was what was popular back then. No, it is completely different because before they would use like a thicker needle and implant, I believe it was even tattoo pigment. It wasn't even cosmetic pigment at that time. So it lasts much longer and it actually turns into like a bluish purple hue. Mm -hmm. This this has nothing, this is nothing um, like that at all. I go over the entire lip with the same color. Of course, people can choose to like do like an ombre effect if they wanted something darker on the outer corners and something lighter in the middle. And I just kind of use a flicking motion with a single needle. It's just one needle, an acupuncture needle. And I go over the entire lip for about three passes. It takes about three hours. And it I, when it fades, people are, even, are either going to think you have a lip tint on or they're going to think that you have lip filler because your lips do look more full without giving that added volume. It takes three hours. So is there pain yeah. involved for those three hours? <laughs> I know. It's, it's a lot. But I, I numb you pre when you first walk in and you know once we do the consult and everything and then i continually numb you throughout the process with gel lidocaine but here's the thing when i'm doing the lip blush the pressure from my hand to the needle to your lip is extremely light extremely light because we're going for that airy pixelated look if i do too much of pressure that's when the pain happens but you know of course going to an experienced artist that should never happen and i don't have clients who are in pain i've actually had about a few that fell asleep um so you know i i I give them a lengthy preparation, Tylenol extra strength. If you wanted to, you can take before as well. And some headphones, you know, to kind of like numb out. Mm -hmm. And how do you choose the color for each person? Is there a, a technique to it? Does someone kind of have to come in knowing what they want or do you guide them? It's, it's kind of both. So I always ask for like a reference when they come in, bring me your lip pencil, bring me your lipstick that you love, bring me a picture, right? And then I have to look at their skin tone and their undertone of both their skin and their lips. What's going to bring out the best you know, out of them, what's going to wash them out. So someone who is more on the fair side actually has the most options in terms of what they want to choose, like a cooler undertone or a warmer undertone. But as um, the more pigmented your skin is, you actually kind of have less of options just because if you do trauma on the lips, it can actually make it more pigmented in, ter in terms of like melanin production, so which is what we never want. So I always opt for more warmer colors to counteract that from happening. So the more deeper of a skin tone you are, the more warmer you go. But it kind of goes hand in hand because um, it does bring out your skin tone, if that makes sense. And I know that you can do lip um, correction for people who have discoloration in their exactly. lips. Mm -hmm. and that's, that's amazing. Exactly. So if you yeah. have a little bit of hyperpigmentation on your lips, this can actually restore your lips to what they used to be. Exactly. Yep. So 
and it it's so funny because when I show like my hyperpigmented lip clients, I'm like, okay, girl, we're going to use straight orange. Don't worry. They're not going to heal orange. But you know, as you know, with the color wheel, orange and blue are complementary. So orange will cancel out the blue. So when they come back in six to eight weeks, it's truly amazing because they finally have a flesh tint to their lips but i will say it does it's not just one session depending on how deep the pigmentation is for pigmented clients i recommend it's probably going to take one session one full session and then probably two touch-ups to get to your goal but of course everyone depends yeah and so is there any um pre-care before you come in for that appointment? Is there anything people should avoid or know before they even think about scheduling? Absolutely. Pre-care is vital to getting the best results. You know, I do what I can, but at the end of the day, if you do your homework before and after the procedure, that's when where you'll get the best results. So my pre-care is very specific. Um, your lips cannot be dry for the appointment. I advise exfoli exfoliating your lips at least three days before the appointment to remove any dry skin. And then, you know, they can use a lip scrub or create their own you, just by using salt or sugar mixed with coconut oil. And for the week leading up to the appointment, you must moisturize your lips as much as possible. And I recommend just using Aquaphor about multiple times per day. Okay. And then no filler or injections in or around the lips for at least one month before the procedure. So if you get filler, just wait a month until you get lip blush. But then if you get lip blush, just wait a month after to get filler, if that makes sense. Is, should you do... Okay, so for people who are listening, because I, 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 you know, I'm, I've been thinking about doing some lip filler too. If, mm -hmm. if do you recommend doing lip filler then first and then lip blush, or does it not matter? Like, is there honestly, a better, better way? Honestly, it doesn't matter for this. It's it, like, for example, with brows, like we recommend if you have a higher muscle on one brow, we totally recommend getting Botox on that brow. If if they do like to get Botox, you know, and they're already going to go, uh, we recommend to like fix that like stronger muscle just so it's more of like an even playing field for us to do brows. Both lips because you don't want to go and I don't do this. I don't go too far out of the lip line because when you do that, it's going to start healing wonky on the skin compared to the lips. So it's really still going to be your lip. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But I will say I personally recommend getting the lip blush first, especially for people who have never gotten filler because and it's, a, it's like a trial period. And I've had people who've done this. They're either curious about getting filler first or they're curious about doing lip blush. When they do the lip blush, when it heals, because it looks so much fuller with the pigment, they don't even opt to, for the filler anymore. So it's kind of like trying, trying out like two different shoes and like, you know, seeing what's mm -hmm. more comfortable first. So, and, but that's, that it's, it really depends. Um, and it's pretty much personal on each client, but in my opinion, I think it's always best to do the lip blush first. Oh, I can't wait. I just think that is like <laughs> one of the coolest new treatments in beauty is this lip blush. So I hope everybody goes and checks it out. It's, it's amazing. Now, obviously you're in LA, not everybody can get to you. What mm. do you recommend people look for in a lip blush artist and or microblading artist? Like, is, is there something they should look for when choosing a person? 
Absolutely. Well, first off, someone who is properly certified and qualified uh, for the job. So, you know, in LA County, I'm not sure about anywhere else, but a tattoo artist must have an updated bloodborne pathogen certificate, as well as a valid health permit issued by their county and work from a work at a facility that has passed the health department inspection. So, you know, when you go in the studio, check their walls, make sure they're all up to date and everything, just to make sure you're, you know, at a clean facility and that, you know, they, they do know what they're doing. And of course, I think that it's really important to see their work on Instagram and make sure, or, you know, whatever portfolio that they have on Google, on Yelp and so forth. And just that you're aligned with the style of the artist. You like their vibe. You know what I mean? Um, because every, every person has their own uniqueness and it's just really making sure that you feel kind of drawn to that uniqueness. And of course, someone who's an experienced uh, artist and has, you know, a couple years under his or her belt. And then one of the most important, if not the most, is healed results. Brows and lips will look great right after the appointment. You want to make sure that your artist has pictures or portfolio of healed results because that's ultimately what you're going to be walking with for a year or two. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's great advice. That really is great advice. And, you know, since you've been doing this for a while, when did you really feel like uber confident? I mean, did it take you a while? Because, I mean, I don't want to downplay any artists that maybe are, you know, only a year into it. They could be very talented. When, when did you really feel like, I got this, like, I, this is, this is, I'm good. <laughs> I'm no, really good at this. <laughs> it's, 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 and you know what? It's funny. Cause I'm not even like, I'm, I have only been doing PMU for about a year, a year and a half to two years. So it's not like I'm super experienced either, but I just, you know, uh, the passion that you put into it, I feel like with each artist will really translate in their work. But I will say that it, <laughs> For lip blush, it definitely took me like six months because the way you move your hand, the way you have to position the client's face, it's all so new. And I will say when you hold the tattoo pen, it is much different than holding the microblade pen. And, um, you know, I did microblading before I did lip blush and you hold on really tight to that blade, but you hold really loosely on that tattoo pen. So I think that was like a big adjustment for me. Mm -hmm. But with microblading, girl, it took me about a good like nine months to a year to really be like, damn, those are some bomb brows. Like, right. I feel good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Well, you know, and I think, you know, a lot of things, you know, everybody can learn a skill, but it takes, I think just a natural aesthetic talent to really be good at it. And clearly you have that gift, you know, it's just like you have a good eye and, and that's really, it's an art. All of it this is. is truly an art, just like makeup and everything else. If, you know, you don't necessarily need to be trained to do makeup just to be good at it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you, since we're talking about getting trained, where should professionals, so if there's estheticians listening to this today, um, or people maybe thinking about getting into this, where would you suggest they get trained? Is there, I know there's lots of different certification programs, but what do you recommend? Yeah. So of course I suggest people to do their research and take their time finding the perfect fit just kind of be like a client and pretend that you want to like get your brows done or lips done by, by a certain artist and just kind of take your time, look at their portfolios on Instagram and do your research and, you know, microblading and lip blush training, it's extremely expensive. And some academies only offer one day courses. I'm sorry, but there's no way you can learn everything in one day or even two days. You know what I mean? And feel like you're ready and going out in the field right after. So 
I suggest someone uh, who can just pretty much find mentorship or an apprenticeship that extends beyond the class if they do get a class so that they could just always receive some type of support. You know, Alex, the owner of Harry Little Things and I, we've been actually discussing doing some trainings in the future because we do get some inquiries on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So we are discussing plans. So just be sure to follow us and stay updated uh, for, you know, that to come in the foreseeable future. But that's pretty much what I recommend, you know, a, a good clean facility has good reviews, but also something that, that they're going to give their hand out after you graduate because you will need that mentorship afterwards. Very good. And I have to ask, as we kind of wrap up this conversation, I know there has to be something crazy that's happened. Like, is, what is the craziest thing that's happened <laughs> since you've been doing this? <laughs> uh, it's so, honestly, like, honestly, I think it's the fact that people out of the woodwork that I used to go to middle school, high school with, I used to grow up with, that I haven't spoken to in years are now coming to me for their brows and lips. Like I see on the schedule, I'm like, Oh my gosh, wait, I went to school with her. Wait, this is crazy. And then I, once they come in, it's like we fully rekindled our friendship and it feels so cool. And I love that. I love reconnecting with the power of beauty, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and now has other, anyone come in on your books that maybe teased you about your eyebrows? No, no. Because oh, wouldn't no, that be not, fun? You're like, oh, really? You teased me. Well, go ahead and lay down. <laughs> but I will say, I will say the friends from middle school and high school, they did remember how thin my eyebrows were back in the day mm -hmm. and how much I loved playing with my tweezers. So they see me now and they're like, girl, you grew back. And I was like, I did, I did. It's coming full circle now. Yeah, I know. You have beautiful brows. And it's kind of funny that, you know, you were teased as a little kid and hated your brows. And now mm -hmm. people are paying pretty, pretty, pretty big bucks to get brows just like yours. It's just funny how like life comes full circle. I'll never forget. I was in Vegas with my parents and just like at the kiddie pool. And there's like these two cute guys. And of course I was just like a little kid. Like I don't even know what the heck, like what a crush was or whatever. And I could just remember they're totally just staring at my eyebrows and laughing. Aww. And my, uh, yeah. And I started crying and my dad, my dad took me aside and he's like, honey, Brooke Shields had a unibrow and she's a supermodel. Don't let their opinions matter because one day these brows will get you somewhere. I'll never forget he said that. Oh, how loving. Yeah. What a great dad. <laughs> what a great dad. And how true were those words? I mean, your so brows true. now are, I, you're living and people, people probably like want to get brows. Like, like, can you make my brows look like yours? And <laughs> I said, yes, honey, but it's going to be a process. So exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I, you know, I kind of already know the answer to this. I could just tell by talking with you. What do you love best about what you do? Oh my gosh. I just get chills thinking about it. Obviously my clients, uh, seeing their reaction when they look in the mirror after their procedure, it just brings me so much joy. I've been blessed with, with my clients and have created such deep connections with them. And, you know, especially helping those clients who've lost brows through like, you know, chemo pretty much. Um, I had the honor of doing my mother-in-law's eyebrows during uh, when we're open and she she has breast cancer and she was going through chemo and radiation so you know it's it's again relating back to the service and what I did before I got into beauty it's I feel like I'm actually helping people and making them feel beautiful and confident mm -hmm. you know and I get messages on Instagram the days after they get their brows or lips done saying how much you know 
they're not worried about them anymore. And, you know, they literally feel like they're a new person. Um, and then of course the other amazing, amazing part of my job is my other family, which is, which are my coworkers. Um, it feels so empowering working with other females who are business savvy and uplift one another. And I've truly, I could say this confidently. I've never been in such a positive work environment where we all want to see each other grow and succeed. It's, it's truly beautiful. I love that. Oh, that gives me chills. I just I love that um, you have a place like that where you can work and, and do your passion and do what you love. And I love it. So, well, I guess one thing I want to make sure we cover, because I know people are going to be curious, how much is brow lamination? Like what is the ballpark figure for, for getting that service done? Sure. So we charge 120 and that includes the lamination, of course, and includes shaping as well as uh, tinting the brows. And what about lip blush? How much is that service? I charge 450 and that's for your first session. And then for your touch up six to eight weeks later, it's going to be a hundred dollars. So in totality, it's 550. And then what about microblading these days? Like let's say for the feathering, what, what yes. ballpark figure is that? So feathering is $300 and that's for your first session. And then if you do decide to do the touch up four to eight weeks after it's, um, it varies between 75 to a hundred dollars for your touch up. So you're looking for about 375 to 400. If you do the touch up, if not 300. Okay. All right. Well, that'll give um, the audience some time to kind of mull that over and um, you know, move their money around and figure out how they're <laughs> going to get this done. <laughs> yes, yes. So, oh ready my for gosh. Them all. Well, Nika, it was such a pleasure to talk with you. I'm so glad that we connected on Instagram. What a blessing to know you. And I'm so excited. I cannot wait to this quarantine lifts. I am going to come to LA. Yay. And you are going to be my girl to do the lip blush and the, um, the whole brow makeover. <laughs> I will take good care of you. And thank you so much for, you know, I'm so glad we're connected. Another business savvy, beautiful woman in my arsenal, you know, of connections. So, you know, it's just, it's a, I love it. I'm so happy to be a part of this industry and be connected with all of you guys. That's what it's all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So thanks for sharing your knowledge. And I, again, so appreciate you being on the show today. Absolutely. I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you liked this episode, I would be grateful if you would rate and review and be sure to subscribe so you can get notified when the next episode goes live. To learn more about makeup, skincare, self-care, and my personal go-to products, visit thebeautydebut.com. Do you want to continue today's conversation? You can find me on Instagram at thebeautydebut and on LinkedIn at Claudia Fabian.